Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. I'm honored to be with you tonight. It's been a quite hectic 36 hours in the United States. And just moments ago, Kaylee McEnany, White House Press Secretary, took to the podium to deliver this statement. Have a listen. I am here to deliver this message on behalf of the entire White House. Let me be clear. The violence we saw yesterday at our nation's capital was appalling, reprehensible, and antithetical to the American way. We condemn it, the President and this administration, in the strongest possible terms. It is unacceptable, and those that broke the law should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I stood here at this podium the day after a historic church burned amid violent riots, and I said this, the First Amendment guarantees the right of the people to peaceably assemble. What we saw last night in Washington and across the country was not that, end quote. Make no mistake, what we saw yesterday afternoon in the halls of our Capitol, likewise, was not that. We grieve for the loss of life and those injured, and we hold them in our prayers and close to our hearts at this time. We thank our valiant law enforcement officers who are true American heroes. What we saw yesterday was a group of violent rioters undermining the legitimate First Amendment rights of the many thousands who came to peacefully have their voices heard in our nation's capital. Those who violently besieged our capital are the opposite of everything this administration stands for. The core value of our administration is the idea that all citizens have the right to live in safety, peace, and freedom. Those who are working in this building are working to ensure an orderly transition of power. Now it is time for America to unite, to come together, to reject the violence that we have seen. We are one American people under God. Thank you very much. That was Kaylee McEnany, White House Press Secretary, just moments ago taking to the White House podium to condemn the violence that happened in our nation's capital. Uh, we're joined now by Amanda Head and Ben Bergquam, who for the last 24 hours have been monitoring the situation on the ground here in Washington, D.C. Ben, Amanda, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Now, Ben, you were out there from you know, before sunrise until after sunset uh, yesterday, giving everybody their kind of frontline perspective about what what was actually happening there um, on the ground. 
Uh, we've seen everyone at Real America's Voice has also come out to echo this sentiment that we were roundly condemning the violence. Um, and this has been a very consistent message that, you know, it's something I've said from the beginning that everybody has the First Amendment right to freedom of speech, to peaceably assemble, but that violence um, is not the way that we achieve political ends in, in America. Um, now we have the White House uh, press secretary coming out again with a very strong statement. What are your thoughts having been on the ground and, and having been there on the front lines kind of watching this happen? Well, it was, you know, my biggest uh, thought, the initial thought, takeaway was yeah. how disappointed I was yeah. in what a, what a beautiful day it started as yes. and what it turned into and then in particular what that meant for the later in the evening uh, being used as a scapegoat for representatives to uh, you know go against the Constitution in a lot of ways and not uh, push for the the inquiries into these election fraud allegations um, it was it was really disappointing. I mean, that was the bottom line. We started off before the sun rose, as you mentioned, yeah. in line, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people here in Washington, D.C. to support the president. Uh, we were there, obviously, to cover that. And it was beautiful. Families, young children, everybody was peaceful. Um, and then, you know, you, you look at what happened at the Capitol and uh, it it took the oxygen all out of the room, you know, and, and the media was able, if you turn on any uh, left-wing media today, uh, it's nothing but attacking the president, blaming the president for this, which I, I think is absolutely insane. I, you know, you listen to his comments. Uh, he was not calling for this in any way, uh, but he was just calling for uh, truth to prevail. And so it, disappointed was the, the, the feeling that I have after 17 hours outside yesterday watching yeah. everything that happened. Yeah, and uh, Amanda, what about you? Yeah, um, you know, I think that what Kaylee was expressing in that press conference, what everyone here at this network has expressed in one way or another, is that violence is not the answer. It is counter-constitutional, and the way that we get things done in this country is by raising our voices and voting. Unfortunately, now the voting thing is kind of up in the air. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that, you know, last night was terrifying, and the violence that took place was terrifying for a lot of Americans to witness. But I think this summer was terrifying when we watched DC burn. I also think that the peaceful things that took place yesterday were terrifying to some people in Congress yeah. because they saw that this is a movement that is not going away, a movement that showed up for their president from every single corner of the country and other, or every single piece of our country and other countries. And that terrifies a lot of people in Congress too. Yeah. Then where, where do we go from here? Because you, 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 you you've been on the ground. You've been on the ground at Trump rallies. You were on the ground yesterday. You've been on the ground talking with a lot of people throughout the country, from every corner of the country. So I'm, I'm interested in your sense for kind of where we, where we go next. Well, that is the million-dollar question. Yeah. Uh, these, these, the scar in my head was uh, given to me by Antifa in Berkeley because uh, they believed that what I said was not acceptable in our country. We've seen, like Amanda mentioned, the riots all over our country. We've seen the division. We, our country is more divided now than I can imagine, uh, you know, since the Civil War. How do we come back together? Uh, to me, it's the reliance on God. Our nation was founded on uh, God, uh, principles of God, family, and country, and the Constitution. And so we have to get back to that. We have to set uh, some sort of semblance of trust in our media again, and that's why we do what yeah. we do. Um, and we have to give people hope. And that is, you know, part of uh, going out and talking to the real people on the ground. 
Um, but, uh, you know, there is, a, there is some uncomfortable conversations and situations that we're going to be going through in the next several months, if not years to come, in order to get back to what America once was. And uh, outside of that, I don't, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Uh, Amanda? I think that yesterday and today, as people woke up today, I think that there were feelings, um, you know, of desperation, consternation. Where do we go from here? I don't know exactly what the road forward looks like, but I do know that Eric Greitens and Ben Burkwam and Amanda Head and everyone else at this network has not given up and is not giving up. And as you guys know, I love history. And I put out a video around Christmas talking about Washington and his troops crossing the Delaware to the Battle of Trenton and how at that point in the Revolutionary War, Washington was down to less than a third of his, his troops. Yes. He, he just, the month prior, had put out a plea for them to stay with him for 30 more days. You know, he ordered Thomas Paine to be read to his troops. And they made that crossing in the snow, in the sleet, iced over roads that sometimes weren't even roads, but you could follow those soldiers because they were barefoot and you could see the blood on the iced path. Yes. Then the Battle of Trenton took place, and that was, that was the tide change of the entire war. So I don't know what the road forward looks like, but I do know that the conservatives on our side, the people in our movement, were not giving up. And we never will. We never will. So we're always going to be moving in the direction of freedom and liberty, and we're never going to stop fighting for that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's so interesting about that, that moment that you mentioned is, you know, Washington did, he had uh, his troops read Thomas Paine's Common Sense, mm -hmm. which, which, you know, you and I have talked about this before. It's one of the great pamphlets of yeah. the American Revolution. You go back and you think about what news used to be and it right. brought to people. It brought them a perspective. And this was Thomas Paine in his piece on Common Sense speaking to what was not yet the American Republic. He was right. speaking to the American people about what they were called to and what the opportunity was. And I think one of the things, Ben, you and I have talked about so, so often is that when you are out there on the ground talking with real Americans, there's such a tremendous reserve of hope and courage and compassion and common sense <laughs> so that, peop that people know this. And I do think that there is a lot of hope that can be taken from that. I think so often when we look at the conflicts in Washington, D.C., and you think about the conflicts in politics, it can be dispiriting because there is consternation and disappointment. But when we actually look at the actual spirit of the American people, there's certainly, I think, tremendous room uh, for hope for a real, for a real revival. A real revival. If, if yes. I can speak that, yeah. I just came yeah. from the Lincoln Memorial. Yes. Uh, as I, uh, my fingers are freezing walking yes. in the building. And uh, they were singing the national anthem and they were chanting USA and, and, I, and they were praying. And that was the sense that no matter what, uh, God wins, America wins. And this, this battle for the future of this nation is just beginning. Uh, we have a generation of people that are awoke. Uh, we had the Tea Party and now we have the MAGA Party. And this is going to be a movement that... Uh, really resets this nation. And I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, no matter where you are, do not give up. Continue to stand for those values that you believe in and honor the sacrifice that so many have given uh, for this nation. Absolutely. And just remember that those guys crossing the Delaware and the people who supported their movement, including Thomas Paine, were called traitors back then. And uh, considering the Democrats' rhetoric yesterday, it's not terribly com terrible company to be in. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I think I think when you when you look back too, what you see is that you know you think about what George Washington did and that daring crossing of the Delaware. You also think about what the troops endured during Valley mm -hmm. Forge. Tremendous difficulty, tremendous hardship. Which should at least this is a hard moment, but it should at least help to put this in context and perspective Absolutely. because we have had you know tremendous, courageous, compassionate Americans who found ways to work together generation after generation. You know, it was Ronald Reagan who always said that freedom has to be won in every generation. And I'm certainly convinced uh, that it will in this generation as well. When we come back, we're gonna be joined by Seb Gorka. Again, that's Amanda Head and Ben Bergquam with us. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. We're joined now by a friend of this program, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. He's the host of America Four First with Sebastian Gorka. You can listen to him on the Salem Radio Network. Uh, but first, I want to play a clip from the president's remarks this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and play that clip here. I just, again, I want to thank you. It's uh, just a great honor to have this kind of crowd and to be before you and Hundreds of thousands of American patriots are committed to the honesty of our elections and the integrity of our glorious republic. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. That's what they've done and what they're doing. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Again, that was that was uh, the president speaking yesterday morning, and now Dr. Sebastian Gorka is joining us. Seb, thanks so much for for joining us today. Absolutely, my pleasure. You know, one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past is we've talked about President Trump's legacy. You and I specifically, we've talked a lot about his legacy in foreign policy, the defeat of ISIS, peace in the Middle East. We've talked domestically about the bringing of jobs uh, to the United States of America. We've seen over the course of the last 24 hours a lot of people commenting on how yesterday's events might affect the president's legacy. Uh, give us your perspective on that, please. Well, I think the key question is in the eyes of who, Eric? I mean, yes. uh, the, mainstream, the mainstream media, the quote-unquote Washington elite, will say what they've been saying about this man for the last four years, the lies and the propaganda, the libel, that he's a racist, a misogynist, an Islamophobe, a man who has you know, white supremacist tendencies, whilst the reality is, as you said, he crushed ISIS 
built the wall, moved our embassy to Jerusalem, created the strongest economy we've seen in the history of the United States, got more people to vote for him from the black and Hispanic community than any Republican since the 1960s. So, look, what we've seen yesterday in the last 24 hours, especially in terms of the media coverage of the events in Congress, is America is riven by by, by, by two worlds, those that live in the real world and those that mm -hmm. live in an alternate reality, which is spun by propagandists. Yeah. And, and Seb, you know, speaking specifically about what big tech is doing and the mainstream media, I mean, one of the things you and I have, have always talked about is that censorship is really a mark of, of weakness. It, it, it censorship is, is a, uh, saying that, like, you're not strong enough to deal with other people's opinions. You can't beat them on the facts. And what we saw again over the course of the last 24 to 36 hours was continued censorship. What does that say to you about where we're at as a, as a republic? Well, let's just think about one thing. On, on my radio show today in America First, I read out the statement from Mark Zuckerberg on, on Facebook who lied to the American people, one of the most powerful individuals in the world, who said, we have banned the president. We have suspended his account indefinitely on both Instagram and Facebook because of the video he posted after the rally that called for violence. I played the video, Eric. Yeah. I saved it and I played it on my show today. The president says three times he calls for peace. Yes. And he says at the end of the video, you need to go home in peace. Mark Zuckerberg says that's incitement to violence and suspends the president's accounts. This, this you know, forget, you know, censorship of, of, of the newspapers or talk radio. This is the most powerful medium. It's social media, and they are controlling it in ways that you know, George Orwell never even dreamt of. Yeah, and I think, I think again, for, for our viewers who haven't actually seen the video, because so many places did ban it, again, the president did say very clearly that he was calling for peace. He has condemned the violence. He was urging people to go home in peace. And then, as you said, we've seen a lot of the mainstream media and big tech refusing to actually play the statements, but instead you know, giving their own version that was simply discordant with, with reality. Now, one of the things that you also posted um, on Twitter was your suggestions about where people could go for the truth. I think you listed some of the top 14 uh, yes. websites that were available for people to go out and get the truth. Talk, if you would, please, Sab, about those good sources where you encourage people to go. Yeah, I'm really grateful you did that, Eric. Uh, that, that's, that's very important that you mentioned that. Thank you. So I, I don't know about you. I'm sure it's the same for you. I get texts and DMs and emails every single yeah. day, people sending me, did you hear this? Did you hear about the CIA server site in Frankfurt and the Green Beret raids in the Italian embassy? And I go, Lord, help us, guys. Please use common sense when you've right. got video of people pulling the suitcases of ballots from under the table where they were hidden in Georgia after the GOP poll watchers were escorted out of the building. Don't talk to me about crazy conspiracy <laughs> theories. Right. So the sources of info, the, the, the thing you can do best for yourself, and you can go to my website, sebgorka.com. It's one of those popular articles uh, that we've ever published. It is my list with my team that we created of the 14 most reliable sites for conservatives to get information from. It's, you know, Breitbart is the number one. It's it's the Federalist, it's the Daily Caller, it's the Daily Wire. Sites that, they're not Gawker's opinion, 
these are entities that over years, in some cases decades, have demonstrated their reliability. Yes. Don't look at my opinion. Look at the fact that none of them peddled the Russia hoax. Look at the right. fact that when it comes to election fraud, they give you the facts. So please, one of the most important things that you, your channel, all your colleagues can do is to get people to have discretion in terms of the information that they ingest. Yeah, and one of the things that you also point out in that in that article and in that list, I mean, I, I'm proud to say that justthenews.com uh, yes. is, uh, is on that list. Uh, you referenced John Solomon's courageous reporting. He was one of the only reporters who was consistently going after the story about Hunter Biden, which, of course, big tech censored uh, before before the election. Uh, and you also mentioned, you know, I, I was pleased to see some sites where there's some really good and thoughtful commentary, like the American Greatness website. Um, yes. If you could just just talk about why you think or what the future is for these sites and what we need to do to make sure that our fellow Americans are also getting good quality news so that we can be informed citizens in the in the republic. Well, first things first, uh, I think uh, it is an un-American attitude to despair. Yeah. Yes, uh, we lost the Senate. Yes, uh, Biden will be sworn in in 13 days. But Americans don't despair. We didn't despair in That's 1776. Right. We didn't despair during Pearl Harbor, during 9-11. So we never give up. We never give in. The next election is in two years' time. Joe Biden is clearly senile and decrepit. Uh, there will be recalls, there will be primaries, there will be local elections. So get involved. Uh, the most important thing we can do is to have plan Bs. Uh, I, I'm on YouTube, yes. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook. But I've got a plan B. I'm already on Parler. Mm -hmm. I'm already on Rumble. You have to have these alternative sites because really there are fascistic tendencies, whether it's Zuckerberg, whether it's Google, whether it's Jack Dorsey on Twitter. They don't behave as independent uh, unbiased platforms. They are publishing houses with a political agenda. Mark Zuckerberg buried $300 million in the last election to train local officials as a private individual. Right. You can't do that in America. That's corruption. What, what, what is Facebook doing training election officials in America? That is the job of state uh, governments and, and local municipalities. So, uh, you know, uh, stick to the best information you can you can get. Uh, share that information with your loved ones, with your colleagues. And perhaps most important of all, if you're worried about what happened yesterday or in the last nine weeks in America, get involved yes. and forget forget. I mean, you know, you you ran for, for governor. You start locally. I don't care whether it's the local yeah. school board or whether it's you know, a, a, a local a city council. That's how we take the republic back. Yes. And one, one thing I'd love for you to comment on as well. You know, we were just talking in, in, in our segment earlier about Washington crossing the Delaware. We were talking about Abraham Lincoln. There have been all of these moments, and you, you referenced some of them just a moment ago, where we have faced tremendous challenges as Americans, and yet American citizens, with our courage, with our compassion, with our common sense, with our willingness to organize with our neighbors, we have always made it through. If you could, for our viewers, just give them some sense. You always put on a kind of historical hat. Give them a sense for what America has been through and why we have so many reasons to be hopeful about a revival of the American Republic. It's not about documents. Mm. 
It's not about the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. It's not even about specific events. It's about our commitment to the values in those documents. We are the Constitution, and the Constitution lives in us. So whether it's the Americans on Flight 93, the civilians who said, not on my watch, let's roll, and who, who, who with, with, you know, uh, their bare hands um, took down that plane which was being flown by jihadists so no other Americans could be killed. That, that's, that is a victory. They, they sacrificed themselves for their fellow Americans. So, you know, I dedicated one of my books to the people on nine, uh, Flight 93. I dedicated uh, another one to the brave Americans who died in Benghazi. Yes. And, and, and that's, you know, Americans are blessed, and we are the greatest nation on God's earth, because of our commitment to those values. So I just want everybody yes. to, you know, read the stories. In my second book, Why We Fight, I take vignettes of Stephen Decatur, of Chesty Puller, of Whitaker Chambers, stories of men who faced insurmountable, insurmountable odds. Insurmountable odds. And have, you know, and have uh, apparently, and won. Fight and through them and win. Again, folks, that's Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Check out his books. He's, he is, as you know, the host of America First with Sebastian Gorka. You can listen to him on the Salem Radio Network and check out his Twitter and website as well. When we come back, National Security Correspondent Susan Keating. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Uh, we're going to be joined now by Susan Katz-Keating. She is the Chief National Security Correspondent at Just the News. You've heard her on this program before. Has long experience covering national security issues uh, across the spectrum. Susan, so good to have you on today. Um, a lot of our viewers saw yesterday the deployment of the National Guard. They saw violence in the nation's capital. You were obviously covering this from your perspective as a national security correspondent. Give us your sense, please, for what you saw yesterday and what you learned. Eric, it's, you know, it's such, such um, a fluid and wide-ranging situation. Yes. It's going to take some time to actually really, you know, untangle what what happened but from what i could see and what my my sources on the ground were telling me was that in the early uh, portion of that rally things seemed to be kind of normal you know it was a very high energy trump rally where people were expressing their views um in a, in a largely peaceful manner and then what some people are telling me was that they noticed that toward the end of trump's speech they saw other people moving in with uh shields Mm. and what appeared to be uh, items that could be used for weapons. And the people I talked to said that they kind of got this funny feeling and that they decided to, to just not stick around. Yeah. So then the group heads over to the Capitol, and there was, at least in one section, there's a, a, a ground floor women's bathroom, mm -hmm. and it's got, it's got a glass window. And 
boom, <laughs> glass is broken, and people start to come in. And the Capitol Police, from, from what I'm hearing and seeing, they just weren't prepared for it. Because in a lot of ways, I, I know they're police, but they sort of function as borderline, you know, half tour guide, yeah. half, half guard. They're actually pretty friendly people. If you encounter them, for the most part, they're just not a, you know, a defense force. They're not like the Secret Service. So they got overwhelmed. And then by the time reinforcements came in, you know, a lot of the mayhem had already been accomplished. Yeah. They got it under control pretty quickly. But there were, there were some pretty scary moments. And people were literally barricaded either inside their offices mm. or, uh, you know, in the tunnels under the Capitol, sort of waiting for things to calm down. So it just—it looks like there was a flashpoint. Things got out of control, and it was—it was a shock to Capitol Police. They just weren't prepared for it. Yeah, and Susan, we actually just—just just as you were were saying that, um, I just heard that the uh, chief of the Capitol Police Force actually just resigned. It sounds like uh, moments ago. Um, if you could, again, for our viewers, just give everybody a sense, if they haven't been to the Capitol, for, for what the role and the mission is of the, of the Capitol Police. Their official mission, you know, is to protect and to guard the Capitol, but in practice, they, they really are kind of like half tour guide, half, half store guard. And I, I don't mean to belittle them at all because they... They perform an important function, and they do screen people coming into the Capitol, but they're not really trained as a force protection group. At least, you know, they haven't been used that way in the past. Mm -hmm. So you just don't see the Capitol Police really ha handling these these types of events much. And they also were they were understaffed. And what I'm what I'm being told by some of my sources within the force is that they were told not to come across as uh, being too aggressive. They didn't mm. want any police brutality charges. And they were, they were told to kind of, you know, slow roll it a little bit. Right. And this is obviously, you know, the, the U.S. Capitol Police is dealing perhaps more than any other police force in the country, um, dealing with people who come to peacefully exercise their First Amendment rights on an almost daily basis in and around the Capitol, around the Supreme Court building. So uh, this is a force that has a lot of experience dealing with those kinds of, uh, of issues. I want to get your, your perspective also on the deployment of the National Guard into Washington, D.C. If you, if, you if you wouldn't mind, please share with our viewers what you've learned about how that happened uh, yesterday. Well, that, Eric, was mostly our old friend bureaucracy coming into play. Mm -hmm. So uh, the mayor of D.C. asked ahead of time for a, a guard contingent to be on hand to relieve police, mainly to allow police to, to do the police work. Mm -hmm. The National Guard would essentially direct traffic, and she specifically asked for them to be unarmed. So they went in unarmed, this relatively small force. And then by the time the Capitol Police were calling for, for backup and for help, there was another process that had to be done for a yes. second request. So this had to go to the Secretary of the Army, had to go to the Secretary of the Defense, and then it had to go back down the chain. And then the Guard members had to go to the Armory to get their weapons. So wow. like, they, they didn't have them right there, as you know, the yes. very tight control on yes. military weapons. So that was like a massive delay right there. 
right? And and then in terms of if you could kind of walk through for our viewers, and I'm happy to comment as, as a former governor as well, but in terms of the deployment of the National Guard within Washington, D.C., you know, within a state, the governor can obviously call out National Guards. If you could please talk a little bit about how that chain of command uh, works and worked yesterday in terms of calling out the National Guard for an event in the nation's capital. Well, you're right. It is different from the state. Like you would have had control over your guard, but because it's D.C., it just happens to fall on the Secretary of the Army, who's mm -hmm. in charge of the D.C. National Guard. He's the command authority. So a request would have to come in through an entity. Like for example, the mayor would have to go to uh, Ryan McCarthy, and then McCarthy would have to approve it, and then it would have to be, uh, in some cases, depending on the title that you're using, the, the Secretary of Defense would have to approve, but then... The Army Secretary, of course, would have to then give his approval to the Adjutant General of the D.C. National Guard. So it, it, it is bureaucratic, and it, it's more so in D.C. just because it's not a state. Because it's not a state. Excellent. Well, yeah. Susan, we so appreciate your informed and informative uh, insights. Thank you so much for covering this. Again, folks, that's Susan Katz-Keating, National Security Correspondent here uh, at Just the News. Always great to hear from her. Uh, we're joined now by my good friend, host of the Mark Cox Show. It airs weekdays at 97.1 Talk FM in St. Louis. Uh, Mark, so great to have you on. Mark, you were actually on the ground yourself here in Washington, D.C. If you could please offer for our viewers who weren't there your perspective uh, about uh, the events from yesterday. Yeah, Eric, thank you so much for having me on. Great to see you again. I, I, I did come to D.C. Uh, on my own time to attend this event uh, primarily because I supported what Josh Hawley and, and of course, Senator Cruz and, and others were trying to do by challenging some of these electoral slates. I wanted to be there. I wanted to see yeah. that for myself. So I attended the president's rally there at the Ellipse. Uh, I, I, you know, I heard your previous guests say people started seeing people come in with shields and stuff. Yeah. I, at that, where I was at the rally, I did not see any of that. Mm -hmm. uh, when the rally with the president ended, we walked down Constitution Avenue. Everyone seemed happy. Everyone was singing and playing music and carrying their signs. Yeah. And we arrived at the Capitol building. And I was probably 40 yards from the, the, the bottom of the steps there at the Capitol mm -hmm. building. When I heard the first flashbangs, I, I saw the the, uh, the tear gas or pepper spray, whatever they were using. And then people started streaming back into the crowd, rubbing their eyes and complaining about being hit with this. From, from where we were, it was the elevation was up uh, from where all this was happening. We were lower than it was. And most of the crowd was oblivious to what was going on. I remember questioning, why are they shooting uh, flashbang grenades? I couldn't figure out what the problem right. was until... We realized later there were some agitators involved here. Yeah, and, and again, for, for our viewers who haven't been to the Capitol, it's called Capitol Hill because it is literally on, on a hill. And what you're describing, Mark, is that you and a lot of the other folks were at the base of that hill, so you couldn't see what was actually happening right up there um, inside and right outside of, of the Capitol, of course. 
Mark, from your from your perspective, you've 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 been to these rallies before. You've covered these issues. You've talked with people around the country on your on your show, ninety seven point one Talk FM in St. Louis. You have people call in from across the the political pers uh, spectrum. Mark, where do you think we go from here as a as a country? Well, you know what happened yesterday was tragic. I don't know anyone, uh, particularly on my side of the aisle, who would condone what happened there i do believe there were people involved with the political gain in mind of of ruining that rally and and, and its true purpose uh and and in turn hurting the efforts of josh Hawley. i mean what happened later there in congress was basically a rubber stamp whatever whatever might have happened whatever evidence might have been presented uh was ruined by, by the nature of what took place there by the people that chose to break in and break the law. You know, clearly politics is a blood sport. Uh, we know that. And, and uh, you know, I worry that uh, forces will use this to try to gain their own political advantage with the help of the House and the Senate and the White House over the next couple of years. All, all conservatives can do at this point, in my opinion, is look to 2022 and retake the House and the Senate. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things that, that we've been talking about here on the show, and, and I know you and I have talked about, is that, you know, despair is not what Americans do. Um, when things right. get hard, uh, people of courage and common sense need to step forward and, uh, and get involved. Mark, just in the, in the 30 seconds that we have left, uh, for our viewers who haven't had a chance to listen to your show, let them know, please, where they can follow you and how they can tune into your show, please. Uh, Governor, I appreciate that. They can follow me at uh, the Mark Cox Show on Facebook. That's one easy way. We always stream the show live there. Uh, 971talk.com is our website. And, of course, radio.com is the app that we use where people can pick up the podcast. Awesome. Again, folks, that's Mark Cox. He's host of the Mark Cox Show. Uh, he was here on the ground in Washington, D.C. You can listen to him weekday mornings in St. Louis on 97.1 uh, Talk FM. And, folks, we'll be back in just a moment with some more big stories. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. We're joined now by two of the best here at Just the News. We've got Joe Weber, news editor at Just the News, and Just the News correspondent Sophie Mann. You've seen both of them on the program here before. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. So... Big story just broke. The Capitol Police chief just resigned literally minutes ago. Sophie, what do we know? Yeah, well, so as you say, we're getting confirmation literally just minutes ago that the Capitol uh, Police chief will be resigning effective as of January 16th. So that's next week, just days before the inauguration. 
Um, it, there's a question over whether this is the best time for him to be resigning, given that, as I said, the inauguration is just days away, and yes. that, you know, obviously requires a certain amount of security and security know-how, though, of course, he has been getting a lot of flack, um, especially from Democratic lawmakers on the Hill today, yeah. saying that they are calling for a full investigation of the Capitol Police and what happened yesterday. Uh, Democrat Val Demings, who used to be a chief of police herself and is now a representative of Florida, said that they were, quote, painfully unprepared, the Capitol Police yesterday for the crowds that breached the Capitol building. Um, so we will see this is, you know, one of a number of executives who have resigned in the wake of the happenings of yesterday. We've seen a couple out of the White House, a couple from various um, agencies. Uh, and, you know, the question is now what sort of the administration and security in Washington, D.C. and around our, law our lawmakers is going to look like in these coming, you know, 10, 12, 13 days until a new president assumes his role. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about with, with Susan Katz-Keating, who we had on earlier in the program, is that this is a, a police force that is used to, on a daily basis, perhaps more than any other police force in the country, having peaceful protesters come in and around the Capitol, having people come to exercise their First Amendment rights. And they have this, this job of, of preserving and making sure that, that public safety is kept in the Capitol. Do we have any indication as to why the police chief resigned? Did he say anything in his letter? Do we know yet? Uh, I know this is this again just happened minutes ago. Yeah, so a full statement is actually still pending. All okay. we have right now is just confirmation that he is in that he is resigning. I'm sure a fuller statement will um, be comprehensively released later, and I'm sure that he has a deputy or second in command who is fully equipped to take over. Sure. Um, his role. But there, there there are some outstanding questions, I think, about what happened yesterday yeah. on the Hill. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, a full investigation will be launched and the police chief will, you know, have to answer for a number of questions about why the why the building was allowed to be breached, not allowed, but, um, you know, yes. why it was breached. Yeah. And uh, I, I but I, I think that this, you know, follows a pattern of a lot of what we saw this summer with various sort of Democratic lawmakers in particular, but as well as just a public outcry happening in the direct aftermath of large waves of violence, mostly that had to do with, you know, Black Lives Matter protests, Antifa protests uh, that were sweeping the nation this summer. But in the days following those protests, police chief after police chief would resign. Um, and I think that this is, regardless of the precise cause of uh, the happening yesterday, this is part of that same wave of mm. seeing our law enforcement officers really heavily scrutinized ac across the country. And, you know, the perhaps not unreasonable response of a lot of leaders saying we've, we've had enough. And I mean, again, that is speculation. We don't know exactly why he's resigning. We don't know exactly the details of what happened yesterday. But this does seem to be another, just another one on a lengthy list of high profile heads of police departments quitting. You know, I know you and the team are going to continue to follow every detail that comes out of those investigations. Uh, Joe, one of the other things that, that's happened is that we have now, I think, over 50 people who've been arrested as a result of activities yesterday. Yeah and the, the violence that happened, the protests. But what do we know exactly about who's been arrested and, and, and why? They haven't said much. Uh, mm -hmm. they, what they can tell you, that was early in the day. They, this was not unprecedented, but the Justice Department, FBI, uh, put out a message asking the public for any information that they had for people who were intentionally sort of stirring the violence, and they put out requests for calls, di digital photos, and everything like this. This was followed up by the Metropolitan Police Department two hours later holding a very lengthy press conference saying that they were doing the same thing. So they moved quickly. We do know that some of the people that they arrested had rifles, Molotov cocktails. They haven't mentioned any names, but they moved very quickly for this. They really realized, I think, uh, what the pressure that they were under to try to get 
although they couldn't stop what happened to clean the mess up pretty quickly. Yeah. And so. And, and what's our sense right now? Do we know, Joe, how these different police departments and agencies are organizing themselves? Because you have, obviously, the D.C. Police Department. You've got the U.S. Capitol Police. You have the FBI. You've got a lot of different jurisdictions you here. Would, you would be stunned of how many. There's maybe 100 different police departments. Not only so is like there's the FBI, but there's the FBI police. And there's, right. like, Family Services Police and the Metro the the metro subway place has their own police force. There are so many agencies, and the idea of having to coordinate them can be very difficult. I was just reading an AP report before I came on here, which says that uh, Capitol Police uh, rejected the F Defense Department's uh, offer to bring the National Guard. So that's another uh, piece of the puzzle. And like Susan said, and as I think you know, I covered Congress and worked under yes. the dome for many, many years. And they're part ambassador. They are very strict, but nevertheless, it's like, hey, well, do you know where Cannon is? And how can I get the Longworth, you know? The other thing I would point out about this, maybe the staffing issue, was the fact that the, because there was a pandemic, there wasn't a whole lot of people in there. Mm. And like, maybe it's very fortunate there wasn't, because on any given day, you know, there's people. There's people with, um, you know, um, comfort dogs and you know there's lobbyists and people coming from across America it's across almost you know the crossroads of America there had that many people been there in the law the typical number of police officers that accommodate them it could have been worse yeah yeah and and Sophie for our viewers who are just kind of coming home from a day of work or, or just just getting a chance mm -hmm. to tune in what are some of the other big stories that have happened and that we're covering at just the news.com right now that they should be checking out sure well in the wake of everything that went on yesterday I think um, several major narratives coming out of sort of the White House and Capitol today um, include the possible invocation of the 25th Amendment, which various Democratic lawmakers, um, including but not limited to Speaker Pelosi and uh, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, have said that they will implement, um, or no, sorry, they, they said that if Mike Pence does not implement it, uh, they will call for a secondary impeachment of the president. Mike Pence recently confirmed about an hour ago that he will not be calling for the 25th Amendment. Um, so, and if you could explain to our viewers a little bit of about course. the 25th Amendment. Yeah, so the 25th Amendment is when um, the president is deemed no longer fit for office and is removed uh, by his cabinet, the cabinet votes, and he is then removed and the vice president, you know, assumes the duties of the president and the, the order moves up one notch. Um, so the vice president has said that he is not in support of this. You know, we've, we've gotten a few comments from former White House personnel and former cabinet members saying that they maybe would support it, but of course that doesn't matter. The only right. thing that matters yeah. is who is presently in the cabinet. But this does throw the ball back to Speaker Pelosi, who was threatening just earlier today at, um, you know, an afternoon press conference to begin a secondary impeachment round. Um, and will she do that with just 10 days remaining as effectively a symbolic gesture? Um, it's unclear. Yeah. Uh, we, we will see until, until you know, this afternoon, the 25th Amendment speculation had sort of been just rumor or something that was, you know, a pie in the sky talking point for Democratic lawmakers. But it seems like there is some serious uh, chatter about this, not just coming with, from the barracks of the Democratic wings, but also reportedly from some Republicans who we know are uh, scrambling at this juncture to sort of make heads or tails of what happened yesterday and whether or not they're going to stay in the president's camp through the duration of his administration or whether they're going to jump ship at yeah. this moment. And we have had, you mentioned there were a couple of cabinet members who, who have resigned. Mm -hmm. um, and and what, what are we tracking right now? Well, so the most profile uh, cabinet member who has resigned thus far, and in fact the only cabinet member, is uh, Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chao. 
Dow, which is particularly interesting because she is the wife of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who, of course, you know, spoke vehemently in about as emotional a floor speech as he ever gives yesterday about, uh, you know, law and order and this not being the way to save the republic and right the ship. Um, and so it's there are some questions, I suppose, about how he's feeling, given now that his wife has resigned. She says, of course, she, her resignation goes into effect January 11th. She says, of course, that she will be assisting with the transition of um, former Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg's transition team into her offices. Um, Mick Mulvaney, who used to be the president's chief of staff and until today was serving a special envoy to, I believe, Northern Ireland, um, said that he was resigning as well. There have been a couple of other shakeups um, in the first lady's office. Some, you know, deputy figures from various parts of the administration have resigned in the wake of what happened yesterday. And reportedly, there are several more who are considering it. I think the question now becomes, since this is effectively a symbolic gesture, mm. what does that symbolic gesture say? Is it about this new division of the Republican Party? Um, does it tell us anything about what's going to happen to the right in a post-Trump world? Or, I mean, I think especially we have to consider, you know, when it comes down to an individual level, will any of these people actually effectively be able to distance themselves from President Trump's name? And if not, do they have a duty to, you know, guide the country that they have assumed a role for um, into the next administration, as we, you know, have since the beginning of our republic? Yeah, and Joe, you've, you've as you mentioned, you, you've actually covered under the Capitol Dome uh, for years. You've yeah. got lots of friends yeah. and sources there who've helped you to kind of break a lot of stories. Uh, what are you hearing from people across the spectrum in the Capitol uh, right now? I think a couple things. Uh, one is that obviously with the victories in Georgia, um, with Ossoff and um, the Reverend uh, Warnick, that now that it's, the Democrats are going to control the Senate, and that's going to be a completely different complexion up there with you having the Democrats controlling the White House, the Senate, and the House, and just where the, the agenda will go. Yeah. yeah. And obviously it's going to be very close. You know, sometimes you're going to need 60 votes um, to get something passed, and when it's a 50-50 split, that's still going to make things very difficult. So I don't see a lot of things happening up there in a lot of ways, big movement. I think it's going to be contentious as ever, if not more. And then you have the division within the uh, Democratic Party that's very interesting, too, with, you know, the progressive wing versus the moderates and the, the moderate group with Nancy Pelosi and uh, people like that, um, Clyburn and Steny Hoyer. They're getting older now. When is that changing of the guard going to happen? And will that be progressives that come in? Yeah, well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. There's obviously a lot that you've been covering, a lot to cover, and I know that uh, our viewers very much, very much appreciate it. Um, again, folks, uh, you can go out to justthenews.com for the latest on all of those stories and others. Check them out tonight and also tomorrow morning. Uh, stay right here because after the break, Dr. Gina has a great show planned for you here at Real America's Voice. You're going to want to catch it. And that's it uh, for tonight from Actionable Intelligence. We'll see you tomorrow.